Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 210, Episode 5 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. Uh, it is Friday, November 12th, 2021, which, of course, Miles means that oh. it is... Oh, you didn't know? I mean, I did, but I, I do well, like to give you the better honor. better call somebody. It is National French Dip Day, National Pizza with the Works Except Anchovies <laughs> Day, and National Chicken Soup for the Soul Day, <laughs> my friend. Chicken Soup for French the French Dip Day, though. I can get behind that. I wrote my English master's thesis on chicken soup for the soul. Uh, one, <laughs> one of my favorite pieces of literature. For the teenage soul, right? Yeah, yeah. I right. love deluxe pizzas. Supreme pizzas, uh, mm. minus the anchovies. So love that. Is that. Love French dip. Where did that even come from? Is that like a... I've, I learned that from Ninja Turtles. What? Like, and no, hold the anchovies. Like, that was like a trope on Ninja Turtles in the 80s that I remember. That's like where the idea of anchovies being on a pizza even occurred to me. Other than that, I've never been like, whoa, there's... An they put anchovies on this pizza? I think there was also... Yeah, that was the thing in the 80s, I think, quite a bit. There was a rom-com about a young man who is a pizza delivery man uh, and this is going to sound like i'm talking about a porn but okay. <laughs> but he uh he would like go to women's homes and they when they ordered extra anchovies on their pizza oh like that was the signal yeah got it, it. lover boy i think it was uh anyway yeah lover boy there it is yeah i just don't know why Again, if, if y'all know where this came from, because I've yet to if ever see anchovies offered as a topping at a pizza place. Unless it's like they had a whole list of like, you know, you can desecrate your own pizza type right. business. <laughs> but other yeah. than that, I've never been like, you're going to love our anchovy arugula pie. Like, no. Yeah. Anyways, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. It is. I take short words and cut them off to make shit sound cool like mom and cough. They ask the fuck does that mean? I yell at means moment and coffee. That is courtesy of Marky Mark Aurelius. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Of course, it's Miles Gray, a.k.a. the North Hollywood Swisher Sweet All-Star, recently <laughs> switching to backwoods because he likes the flexibility in his blunt rolling. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't have a song, <laughs> a.k.a., but I just felt, you know, just to yeah. let people know. The are you really are bit. you really switching up your blunt construction? Like, I'm gonna be real. I, I if I'm gonna be 100 office, our office honest. Yeah. If I'm be 100 office, office with Michael me. Scott, I would say that I actually switched more to hemp wraps because I'm not really smoking hemp that wraps. much tobacco, but occasionally, you know, mm -hmm. I like to do it in the old ways and mm -hmm. the new ways. But the old for ways. the most part, trying to trying to phase the tobacco out of my the ways of the ancients. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the host of How to Do the Pot, a podcast oh. demystifying cannabis for women. And she's the co-founder of the platform for legal weed education of like minds. Please welcome Ellen Scanlon. Hi. So happy What's to be here today. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. On, it's great to have you. Where are you coming to us from? Where, where are you at in the earth? San Francisco. Okay. Right. Is that where you, is, uh, are you a are you a Bay Area native? I'm not. I have lived here for going on 13 years though, and I ran into someone at Outside Lands who told me that 12 years makes you a native. But I'm from the East Coast. I okay. grew up um, in Virginia, Connecticut, and Maryland mostly. 
all the all the East Coast's places. And a lot of time in New York City too, but more as an adult. Yeah, yeah. How how was did you? So you went to Outside Lands this year? I did. Well, Outside Lands is like my favorite festival of all time. Like I don't think anything else comes close, just vibe wise. And I just love uh, Golden Gate Park. But what was I haven't been in damn like five years. So I'm curious. What's how is has it maintained its Outside Lands-ness throughout it everything? Awesome. It was okay, awesome. Great. It was so much fun. It was, uh, I was there on Sunday. It was a beautiful day. I've never gone to a festival by myself and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to go. My husband and I were trying to go Friday, but we couldn't make it happen. And uh, a friend of mine actually gifted me her ticket because she couldn't, she had a three day pass and couldn't go. So I got to go Sunday by myself, which was actually amazing. I just oh, wandered around yeah. and uh, looked at all the people and listened to music. And I love the festival so much. Also, you're in this amazing yeah. park. And I, I just would walk from stage to stage. And that was it was like hiking and listening to music. And there's grasslands there. Yeah. And so that was really fun to check out and beer lands and all kinds of great food. It was really fun. That's like the thing I love is that like you go there and there is like all of the like the Bay Area cultures like, hey, we get there's some millionaires up here who want to drink really good wine and have oysters and shit. So there's wine lands and stuff for that. And it's funny because the last time I went was the year like before they started doing grasslands, which Jack, I think you're going to ask was grasslands is where you smoke grass. Ah, yeah, I got and it. What's what's it like in there? Is it just like a lounge of people is it like a bunch of like vendors and you know cultivators kind of peddling their wares it's a big space and you have to be 21 in order to get in and then there are some vendors and a bunch of consumption lounges that are all outside and have cool couches and cool vibes and they've got a lot of stuff where you can take good instagram pictures and then they built this big basically just a place to to have a huge mural. And so anyone who came into Grasslands could come in and grab a paintbrush and add to the mural. And it it felt great. It was really fun. Oh, I don't smoke weed, but I am an Instagram influencer. So yeah, yeah I, I'm a little torn, but I think I'll, I'll be there. That sounds yeah. awesome. That sounds wonderful. Just do the thing you always do. You take the unlit joint and then in Photoshop, you add the smoke. Right. (laughs) 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 All right, Ellen, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. We're going to talk about the seasonal retail workers. We're we're coming up on uh, tis the season for just absurd consumerism. We are about to hit just unprecedented consumption, uh, projected to be 46 more than normal when it comes to apparel. And we're also having a worker shortage. So, you know, I, see what they do with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what they're planning on doing. Uh, we will talk about Trump seems to have a type like with, with regards to the people that he endorses, namely people who are uh, abusers of women. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. We will talk about there's shocking news coming out that wearing a beard does not make you more dominant and manly, uh, Mm. which I'm having a hard time believing that. And then, of course, as is our want, as is our MO, we we always like to check in anytime there's a uh, movie pass news (laughs) piece of movie pass news. So how is there movie pass news again? Why? 
What, how is there not? How is that mm-hmm. not the only thing we're thinking about? I guess that's all true. that, plenty more. But first, Ellen, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? So I just moved into a new house and I cannot find any of my napkins. And I have a big collection of cloth napkins and I'm hosting Thanksgiving. Wow. My in-laws are coming in from the East Coast. We've got some friends coming. So I have been doing a lot of searching for where are my Linen cloth cocktail napkins? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where'd I put my cloth napkins, Google? All right. How's that? How's that going? You, are you happy with the selection? Are you happy with what? what I'm uh, having trouble letting go of the fact that I can't find these napkins. Mm. You know, I don't really want to buy any new ones because yeah. I know I'm going to find them like the day after Thanksgiving. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm stalling a little, but your retail news of uh, 46 times the demand is making me think I should probably just buy some and I'll use them at another holiday. Yeah, there you go. That's big. How, how many people are you having for Thanksgiving? So we were thinking of inviting a few more this morning. So it's going to be between seven and nine, I think. Okay. Okay. Which, yeah, it's, I grew up having a huge Thanksgiving. My mom would host, my dad is a big family. And so it would be like, 40, 45 people. So I'm used to it being really big. So this feels manageable, although I've never actually done it. So in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, eight people, no big deal. But I also have a three-year-old who throws a wrench into most of my well-laid plans. So we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. I have a three-year-old that literally throws a wrench into (laughs) many of my well-laid plans. At anything, at my head, right? Just about anything. (laughs) <laughs> is when the way you were sort of described, I could hear the resistance in your voice. You're like, I don't know if I can buy any more. It sounds like someone who has a healthy napkin supply. And you're like, <laughs> I can't add more. Like, it would be foolish of me to augment this by any, even one more sheet. Is that, am I, am I feeling? So am I, I am love I something? napkins. I mean, I am the person that walks into a shop and I just am certain that I need another eight. Um, <laughs> and so I, I had a good collection and I just yeah. can't find them. And it is so weird. I've unpacked every box, I think. And it, it would, I mean, it wouldn't fill a whole box, but it would definitely be, you know, I, I it feels like it should be found. And I really don't like to buy things that I don't need or don't use. And so I right. used all these napkins. So, yeah, it's it's been a little emotional. You, you did hear that in my voice. Yeah. <laughs> I know I could see. And I as I, I know I get like the frustration of like when you have a lot of something and you're like, I, I know I have this somewhere and you've moved. And then it ends up being like in a drawer of like a a piece of furniture like you threw in at the last second because you're in such a hurry moving out. You're like, why the fuck did I put it in here? But here they are. I'm definitely well, going to find them. Find <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if you've got such a lit napkin collection that they got taken, that they were like, okay, the one thing uh, that we have to like have fall off this uh, moving tra- yeah. train. M- moving train, right? That's how they move stuff now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... I was going to offer a hack that we use around these parts where you just like put old washcloths out, but it sounds like you're a little bit beyond <laughs> beyond that. I really like napkins. You're okay. going to stay at a courtyard by Marriott. You're going to take all the washcloths <laughs> when you check in and you're going to call the front desk immediately and say, there are no washcloths in here. I don't know how you overlook this. I demand six more just so we can not have this problem yeah. again. You run that Boom. game about five times and you're you're set for napkins. A huge Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> What's your main going to be? Is it going to be uh, turkey, ham? What, what are we talking? Turkey. turkey so fish. there's this 
food delivery service in the Bay Area called Good Eggs, and I am like their number one customer. And mm. they, I've already pre-ordered my Thanksgiving, and they uh, have amazing local vendors that are part of the food. And then I'm actually a pretty bad cook. Luckily, my husband is a good cook, so I mm. do the sourcing, and then he's going to do most of the cooking. So, But we get it all the time, and their recipes are easy and Nice. So, yeah. So it's going to be Thanksgiving, like, straight down the middle. Straight all the down standards. the middle. <laughs> fastball straight down the middle. <laughs> cool. What is, uh, what's something that you think is overrated? So something I think is overrated is 420 as a weed holiday. Okay. Mm. We've had this before, and yeah. it is one of the more convincing cases we've heard. So hit me. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you've already had it before. I wanted to be an original, but maybe my perspective will be (laughs) unique. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. So I was doing some research, and in 2020, the two of the top weed sales days are actually the day before Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving. So Green Ah. Wednesday is what we call the day before Thanksgiving. Ah. The biggest sales days are New Year's Eve, these two Thanksgiving holidays, the Wednesday before Christmas, and then the Friday before Halloween. So I feel like cannabis holidays are becoming regular holidays and it's about being with your friends and having a great time and maybe feeling better around your families. Right. Getting your grandparents high. Dissociating around your problematic (laughs) uncle with a ton of edibles. (laughs) <laughs> and just feeling really chill about it all. Yeah. Like, I was able to get through the whole Q lecture without batting an eye. <laughs> just laughing your ass off. Yeah, like, <laughs> wow, go on about that. <laughs> and also in the past few years, some cannabis brands have started to kind of take back 420 as a day to talk about social justice and yeah. mm. the 40,000 people that are still in prison for cannabis crimes. But I don't really think that's the mainstream narrative for it. I, I still think when people hear 420, they think like kind of bro-y, not, yeah, yeah. not accessible. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's overrated. And I think that there are other ways that cannabis can be celebrated. And let's let's work on those. I gotta mm-hmm. say, you fucking nailed it. The last four twenty under or overrated was really good, but you uh, you nailed it. Oh, that was good. Thank you. It, it kind of yeah. hinged on them wanting to make sixty nine a more significant number than four twenty. So yeah, yours was a little bit Six, more nine, erudite. June ninth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, the last time we were talking about is like for me as like an older millennial, it was because of the prohibition on in, on cannabis and stuff. It felt like. All right, man. We're the kids of we're of divorced parents who are gonna get so fucking high after school <laughs> on this day, right. and then that habit kind of carried on into adulthood. And then as things progressed, and like even I started working in like medical marijuana, and and things just felt a little more normal. It definitely the significance has passed. But it's funny when you say that because I definitely have those same things. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna get caught without weed on a long weekend, like or right. before Halloween or. The fucking the day of all days where you're going to have constant leftover food to contend with. I mean, this all tracks, but it's not something I've ever really thought about. I like Green Wednesday now. Yeah, that's some good uh, marijuana like metrics that you've got there, which makes sense. Do you plan on having like a like marijuana offerings at your Thanksgiving? And do you feel pressured as somebody who's like a a thinker in the world of of marijuana. 
Oh, wow. Well, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I I like to have weed when I'm around people. I mean, I feel like they, not that they expect it, but I love to share it. We're going to Ellen's house. Yeah, I love to share it. And right. I have a lot. <laughs> so I love to share it. I, definitely no one is required. And my in-laws, I would be very surprised if they would be interested in partaking. But yeah, we'll have it around. And uh, the edible trick of eating more because <laughs> of, of eating an edible and then getting extra hungry and then having like a second helping. My, a friend of mine does that at the beach town where I grew up going where he loves the food so much that mm. he'll just have an edible later in the afternoon <laughs> so he can have a second, you know, like Philly <laughs> like cheesesteak. Or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then does that because when I like overeat, I feel like shit afterwards. But like, I feel like when I would overeat after smoking, like I wouldn't actually feel as bad. Is that like, does it help? I guess because it helps with stomach, right? With like, yeah, stomach, I mean, right? CBD, especially if there's any CBD in your weed, it tends to like bring down inflammation. And so that could yeah. help if you have a stomach ache. Yeah. No one's ever really pointed that out before where often you don't feel bad after you maybe eat a ton of extra food. Right. Like, yeah, gallon you have to of look ice into cream. that. Yeah. I, I will be interested to see as, you know, we progress and evolve as a society that has legal weed. Like if, you know, what are the traditions? You know, there there are traditional like alcoholic beverages for each holiday. Like what, what will the traditions be that arise around like our existing oh. holidays? Oh, yeah. Like Green Wednesday, you could roll like a fat blunt in like a tobacco leaf, like a Fanta leaf and make it look like a turkey leg. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Pumpkin, you know what I mean? Like uh, jack-o'-lantern type devices. I'm, you know, I'm going to start thinking about this. Yeah, got to work on it. Yeah. You see me smoking a fat turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I have the two by four underneath it or else it can't sustain its own weight. The structural integrity has been compromised. <laughs> like a tomato plant. You have it just like <laughs> right. scaffolding. Like, they're like, and I'm just coughing, like, this doesn't seem practical. I'm like, <laughs> oh God, just please, gotta hit it. Crazy. You don't seem practical. Uh, what is, uh, what's something you think is underrated? So I don't know if you all have heard of this show, but it's called Night on Earth. It's a series on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It's so okay, good. Go on. First of all, it transfixes my three-year-old, which is amazing. And basically, it goes to all these amazing places all over the world on a full moon. And they have these crazy cameras. And so it looks like it's daylight, but it's the middle of the night. And they follow these animals around. And you're going to these gorgeous places. And literally, my son is obsessed. And so we watch them over and over. And so I just... I can't recommend it to people enough. The narrator is this woman whose voice is so insanely calming and relaxing. And mm. the best part for me, because I have watched my share of nature shows in my life, this is sort of a spoiler, but like the animals don't die. There's a lot what? of tension and like there are 40,000 Caribbean flamingos and then suddenly, uh, you know, a crocodile comes through and you're getting really nervous and I can feel myself getting nervous now. And then they all but party everything, together. Everything works out. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> wow. And the, the soundtrack by Tom Waits, too. 
Oh, is it really? Jim Jarmusch? No, that's <laughs> Jim Jarmusch film Night on Earth. <laughs> I wouldn't. It's so good. I wouldn't be surprised if there are like brilliant minds He's behind like, hey, it. We got the flamingo. <laughs> <You're> like, oh, <laughs> the uh, yeah. For I have extolled the virtues of nature documentaries as like entertainment or like something to have on the TV, kind of ambiently. If your kids are just you know need something on the TV, but you don't want them to be poisoned by fucking Paw Patrol or whatever. Yeah, nature documentaries are great, but they also, especially as a new parent, because it's always the baby animals that get picked off. Like, it's right. hard That's why this show heart. is so great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is wild, because I'm thinking about, like, you know, I like everyone's conscious. Like, I don't want my kid watching this other stuff cut to our childhoods where it's like, I don't know, man, this whatever's on is your parent for the moment. Like, <laughs> right. Just deal with that. And I think about like wh- I one of my earliest memories of TV that was too much for me was actually watching Bambi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah when yeah. the mom gets murked and I mm-hmm. was like, I was destroyed. Yeah. I couldn't handle shit. Meanwhile, I remember my grandparents like, you need to watch Roots when I was like four. Yeah. And like that was somehow I was processing that better than watching Bambi it. So yeah. all that to say is the it's it's interesting the things you remember as a kid where maybe as an adult you're like that's too much for them where it's like i'm just literally unable to process this bambi though where the mom goes bye-bye yeah so the one the one problem that uh disney really wanted kids to be prepared for is uh (laughs) is their parents dying like violently or just not being dead like as as we open they're just like look kid your parents are dead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're not, but we wanted to prepare you for that. Right. Sorry. Yeah. One, I was, I was reminded of something because the t- both of you are parents, you know, as the way Ellen, you were like, just a tip, you know, this is great for the kids. I, I notice all the time between parents, like exchanging these like sort of par- parental hacks of like, mm. yo, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And then even on like the internet the other day, I saw like a tip was like, hey, just a tip for you parents this holiday season. We know you're going to have to walk your kids near toy stores mm. and they're going to be like, can I go in there? And rather than going in there and saying no to them and then triggering a meltdown, he's, they were like, pro tip. What I do, have my kids pose with the shit they want. And I say, well, yeah, let's go in there because I have to send that to Santa. Oh. And then that's how I can neutralize the threat of going in the toy store without buying nothing and then still feel like shit's progressing for the child. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then all the comments like, thank you so much. This shit is genius. Uh-huh. And it's just interesting, like these new just again, like as we're discovering phones and kids are more aware of phones, it's more than like my parents being like, if you ask me one more time, you will have nothing. Like, okay, okay. Versus like, yeah, why don't you pose for that? And I'm like, oh, yay. And they're yeah. like, stupid ass idiot. <laughs> getting that. And then you just print out the picture that you took and be like, there you go. You, you'll always have that memory, buddy. Look at that. Yeah, the use of the camera to like, we have an issue where when my kids will build something, the other one will want to break it. And, you know, like with Legos or uh, magnet tiles and just the way we got past that is every time they build it, they're like, hey, take a picture. I take a picture and then they're good because like there's like a record of it. Right. They never look at it again, but it's just it's like, feeling, yeah. yeah, it's a feeling that like this has been stored in the uh, library of Congress uh, <laughs> on my dad's phone. Less transient. Yeah, yeah. Parent hack, dad hacks. <laughs> hey, that's a, there's a podcast. Cut this, Justin, because we're gonna make <laughs> make billions. Yeah. 
ways to manipulate someone with a lower intellect than you <laughs> is ultimately what it sounds like we're gaming out here, but that's okay. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And yeah, let's talk about the upcoming holiday season with regards yeah. to just out of control American consumerism. Yeah, baby. It's uh they say at a minimum overall they're looking at close to 10% increase in people just shopping again because people have been cooped up a little bit more freedom than last time. I think some people, you know, despite costs going up, have probably been sitting on some money and are ready to buy some stuff for the holidays. Mm. And, you know, the holiday season is working retail during holiday season is a humbling fucking experience. Oof. It's where I learned to hate consumer culture. <laughs> and also it's where I realized that the coach monogram handbags were like Louis Vuitton for Karen's mm. shout out to the coach store in Sherman Oaks. Uh, but this year now, apparel is projected to be like the hugest, biggest increase. So to 46% more business than normal. So if you have apparel, then hold on to your fucking butts. And now retail operators are kind of in this situation like, okay, labor shortage because we're not paying living wages. Okay, we hear that. But also consumers want service. So what are we to do? And oh, they'll just pay a living wage, right? Uh, and just... <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? But <laughs> no, they're more like, how about some bonuses? Oh, one uh, so bonuses. Each, look, each company, they're they're all doing something different to lure in pot potential workers. Amazon, for example, <laughs> they are offering seasonal rates of around $18 and like even an additional three bucks for certain shifts and like assigning bonuses up to $3,000. I mean, like, oh, wow, that's something. A uh, Target is hiring less seasonal workers than normal so because they want to incentivize their existing staff to work more. Hell yeah. And they're saying that's working because they have like, you know, they're, they say like, we have a, a an education fund that will help people go through college and like these other sort of, mm -hmm. sort of supplemental programs to help employees. It's working because Target is really a family and who better <laughs> yeah. do you want to spend time with around the holidays than your family? Yeah. So who, you can sleep all, here now, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> then Macy's they're giving existing employees like a $500 bounty for like any new blood they bring in they're like hey you convinced your friend alright here, here's all right, I mean that's like, a bounty on that like recommendation bonuses are like kind of a they're, they're a thing they're pretty normal yeah, the fact that that's Macy's normal. is 500 like, that's guys something, we got I guess. Yeah, yeah. Big lots, they're extending their holiday hours and they're making up for it by giving employees a $50 gift card. Oof. <laughs> so all this to say, it seems like, you know, companies have done the math and this seems to be like the Black Friday version of like their labor costs where mm. Black Friday is like, I know it looks like it's a deal. He's like, but look, this is still it looks like more to you. But trust me, we're still making a profit off this. And it feels like just with these sort of increases in wages and stuff, they've done the math. They're like, we can do this. It appears we're moving closer to this thing while still making the money that we need to without yeah. going too far, you know, too far afield. And, you know, it's it's just sort of like it goes back to this idea of people. We've sort of sort of set fifteen dollars to be this benchmark for a living wage when really when you look at a lot of the analysis, like that's not enough at all. 
And when you add kids to the mix, like really, you think a living wage needs to be closer to like if you're living in somewhere like, for example, California, you would need to be making roughly what is it here? 1957, 1857. I mean, sorry, just like in like higher states, like we'll just we'll like or districts like D.C. or New York, you'd need to be making twenty five dollars an hour per like in a in a four person household with two parents working and two children. That's what would be necessary if you're uh, if maybe if you are a childless person, then fifteen dollars you can make work in certain places. But still, I feel like the conversation hopefully doesn't stall out here. Like, wow, look at all they're doing more than like, "Mm -mm, yeah, still not enough. Yeah, still temporary, right? This chart from the famous socialist outlet CNBC has like the difference between current minimum wage and what is like considered a living wage and it's all like way the fuck off like even you know for single people it's almost exclusively at least like three dollars difference up to you know there there there's some that are ten dollars differences and then for families it's just it's absurdly off like it's not even close to where it needs to be and yeah you you would think that I don't know. That would be a thing that politicians would be like, look at this. This we could make people's lives better and they might vote for us. But they had a chance, though, didn't they? And mm-hmm. like, just a couple of people were like, no. Yeah. Think of the C-suites. And <laughs> there it went. So, yeah, a bit disappointing. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to just watch how these companies are like, Here, we're, here's anything but a living wage. So Please. much of the country's minimum wage is still seven twenty-five. Jesus. Yeah, because it's like at the federal bottom, you know. Wow. Mm. Great. A lot of well people done. are starting to work in weed or getting interested in working in cannabis. So I'd maybe check that out. Yeah, mm. like in terms of like helping with cultivation. I mean, it's legal for adult use in nineteen states right. and for medical in thirty-six states and. Like the numbers I was telling you last year and the two days around Thanksgiving, like $175 million worth of weed was sold. And there had to be bud tenders and cultivators and all kinds of things. So it's a it's a really fast growing employer as an industry in the country. And yeah, it's funny because like some some people in my family, you know, who pre prohibition had developed skills that (laughs) many in our family like, man, they're never going to get a job. And now they're like, I have fucking insurance that I can blow out a whole warehouse. Watch this shit. And I'm like, good for you. We gave up on your ass. And now you got the best job in the family. Um, (laughs) So it is true. Like, it's it's, it's interesting to watch that pendulum swing back and forth. But yeah, that good point. Uh, Look into it because... I mean, it's there's especially like in I feel like in L.A., there will always be a pull of people to go up to, you know, up north when it's time for some trims. And suddenly they're like, yeah, man, I just go up there. I can knock out, you know, I'll work for like three weeks straight and I'm good for a while, you know, living minimally. But still, there's yeah. the opportunities abound. It seems. All right. Let's uh, check in with like the Trump, you know, lineup. Who is he? endorsing these days what what are they all about it seems mm-hmm. like we're starting to see a trend here yeah i mean he's his hold on the gop is pretty clear and he butts heads with republicans that are like only like 93 percent racist <laughs> so there's definitely like a type that he prefers 
And it seems like, especially for the people that he's endorsing, when you look at some of the people he's endorsed recently, they all have a very similar pattern of allegations of abuse. You know, like Herschel Walker, who's running for Senate in Georgia, has been accused by his ex-wife and a former girlfriend of like, you know, threatening their lives or like pulling a gun on them. Mm-hmm. Max Miller is a former Trump aide who was briefly dating Stephanie Grisham, who was the press secretary during their time at the White House. And she had accused him of, you know, uh, physical abuse and had also been arrested like for like fighting at hookah bars and all kinds of just like just general, you know, like he likes to punch people in public. It's like brown shirt shit. Yeah. Then there's this guy, Sean Parnell, this this guy most recently, Sean Parnell, who's running in in Pennsylvania, got Trump's blessing for many people. Yeah. And many people are like, what's going on here? Again, accusations of abuse from people in his past, uh, physical, violent stuff. And then he made his worldview like really clear on a Fox. And like, so then after this stuff came out, people were like, "Uh, I'm not sure if you saw him when he was on Fox and Friends and started going off about like tyrant women. And just to give you an idea again, not to belabor the point, but this is a soundbite of him sort of this is sort of his general vibe as a man and how he sees the, the world. I feel like the whole happy wife, happy life nonsense has done nothing but raise one generation of woman tyrants after the next. Maybe it's just now there's an entire generation of men that don't want to put up with the BS of a high maintenance narcissistic woman. I also think that modern day feminism has driven a wedge between men and women. The idea that a woman doesn't need a man to be successful, the idea that a woman could live a happy and fulfilling life without a man, I think it's all nonsense. I've already had one <laughs> failed marriage and you know I, I've been there, I've done that, but I, I look at women on Instagram when I stumble across their pages and the number one thing that turns me off the most is all the duck-billed selfies. Yeah. The narcissistic duck-billed selfies. From an evolutionary standpoint, it used to be, you know, women were attracted to your strength because you could defend them from dinosaurs. Yeah. I feel oh, like oh, the whole whoa, whoa, whoa. That is There it uh, is. Dinosaur dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's running for Senate? He's running for fucking Senate. I, I when you look at sort of what the platform is with Trump at the helm, it really is like this pedal to the metal, like fuck progress shit. Like we want a guy who's literally evoking prehistoric man like as part of his pursuit of a better America. And I mean, this is the thing like we've seen Trump, cons- you know, he's, it's pretty similar. He surrounds his people of a similar disposition or shitty character. So now when you see that this almost seems like a litmus test to get an endorsement from him, you can only imagine where the rhetoric and the policies are headed when this is the stuff that he's like, we have to get behind this. We have to get behind the guy who says women who take selfies are like narcissistic monsters. And I've already had one failed marriage. (laughs) Right. Just throw that in there as an aside. I mean, we do seem to see this a lot that a comorbidity between like violent misogyny and a lot of problems in America, whether it be like mass shootings, just murder or, you know, this fucking white supremacist, you know, movement. And it it, it makes sense because being afraid, feeling threatened as in your manhood, I feel like undergirds a lot of, you know, the character profiles of the people who are causing a lot of the problems in this country. Right. Because conservatism now just means 
go backwards. Right. There's nothing. There's <laughs> this point they've completely stopped contributing any kind of idea that someone be like, yeah, did you hear that thing Mitt Romney said? If that were a policy, that would make our lives easier. It's just been like, man, taxes are too much for us millionaires and regular <laughs> people, huh, folks? And yeah. it's everything else is just about chipping away at fucking any semblance of progress, whether that's for like bodily autonomy or reproductive rights or, or LGBTQ uh, civil rights, anything like that. It's like, no, 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 we got to fucking take everything back, 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 back. And I, I'm not sure how many people realize like that's truly what the the deal is here. And I, I know many people feel like we got to get back to like simpler times and America was this or that. And we didn't have any idea of things like runaway misogyny or racism. Right. But this is sort of, you know, I think this man truly would be like, fuck, shit was easier when women picked you based on if a dinosaur was going to eat her. <laughs> right. Because we were walking the earth at the same time as dinosaurs, if you remember, because I'm a Christian. <laughs> right. That's uh, facts. Facts, man. <laughs> dude. I mean, what do you think? He sounds like a guy who took one. He, like, heard about evolutionary biology from his freshman year college roommate and then decided to just shoot off at the mouth constantly about it. I don't know if you know. Like, that's how, like, women picked men. Right. Hey, man, times. So, <laughs> what a fresh take on social media taking down the old duck face <laughs> selfie, right? What a... and which is kind of odd when you see it, it, the like where you'll see Republicans get progressive because it always strikes me when you see like how Republican members of Congress are now like, man, we got to figure out legal banking for legal cannabis, mm -hmm. and you're like, what? Where did you? <laughs> Where'd you hear that? You're like, I got donors who are pretty in. <laughs> so I got to like represent. It's like, wow. So you only pick that road when like there's money and someone's clearly being like, hey, hey, hey man, we can make some fucking money. But like you got to team up with Elizabeth Warren in this case to make this happen. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And appropriately enough, we are talking about facial hair. I am rocking a mustache for the first time. I shaved it down. Me? I mean, you've had the mustache. I was, I felt I realized, yeah, I always have a stubble mustache. I just can't get it to a full adult mustache hood. Yeah. Mine is very shadowy at the moment. Yeah. Yours, oh, get. man, look at that shit. It's strong, Jack. It looks like a, a young person trying to grow a mustache for the first time. But. Right. Like you're about to buy your first pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, One Junior, what cigarettes, please. <laughs> One cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> but people are looking into the, the psychology and I guess physiology of beard growth. Yeah. You know, beards, beards were pretty big there for a while. I have been noticing as I am proudly and not at all being forced to uh, grow a mustache this november i am noticing like i'm paying more attention to other facial hair it seems like the clean shaven look is in vogue these days i, I think know. it's a pendulum uh, ellen mm -hmm. what's your what's your take on beards are you because i felt like at a time everyone's like beard it was like the fucking beard era yeah. everyone was yeah. like oh look at that beard look at the 
Instagrams of like buns and beards. Look at this man with a man bun and a beard. Yeah. How 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 did you did that poison your brain at all? <laughs> well, my husband has had a beard at different times and not had a beard. And so he's the one who I pay the most attention to. And we did have a few conversations where I said, I'm cool with the beard, but I need it to look nice. So I need it. Uh, I need you to get it trimmed. I need like, do you want me to I'm this like I said, I'm sort of the sorcerer in the family. I was like, do you want me to get you a product? (laughs) (laughs) And he wasn't that excited about a product, but he did go and find a place and get beard trimming. Um, But during COVID, I feel like a lot of people grew beards just the way everyone grew all of their things (laughs) things <laughs> right, right. hair and beards go. and everything and so maybe the pendulum shift is people had them throughout covid and now it's just i need to do something that feels yeah. not like covid and remembering being at home all the time right because like i feel like facial hair and like not getting haircuts was sort of like the dust settling in the offices we weren't going into anymore right. but like <laughs> manifesting like on our bodies we're like it's just piling up because <laughs> nothing matters and no one's here to see it and now maybe I think, yeah, people are like, fuck, man, this is we're a little less in survival mode to a certain extent. But I didn't realize that the take of or the perception of beards was that like it's more. I mean, I guess on a very basic level is that it means you're way more masculine and you're way more dominant because you got a beard and your beard. The fact that you can grow such a beard are indicators of such virility. Well, it turns out. It might not be, according to a study in what? the archives of sexual behavior, Jack. <laughs> they really wanted to get in. They said, look, we were examining, quote, whether beards are honest signals of biological in terms of testosterone levels and psychological self-reported dominance traits. So they got a group of like young, healthy men based on, you know, what the metrics they were using. And they measured their beards like regularly using digital calipers. <laughs> like they were being like, let's really get in here. Let's try and be as scientific as, as possible. And then they also would provide saliva samples like before and after working out just to see like how their like testosterone and cortisol levels were. And they also like had to report their dominance on this five item scale. Well, they looked into all uh-huh. this and they have found that beard length was not related to testosterone levels or dominance. Thus, no evidence was found to support the hypothesis that beards are honest signals of the beard owner's testosterone levels and dominance. Thank you. I rest my case. I have no beard. My testosterone's through the chart. That's why I'm bald. <laughs> what, who was bro? Was this a bro Bible like study? Like what? It's, I'm so confused as to like where this misconception. I think it's maybe just. That's exactly. I was surprised, but I think maybe that's just. I think generally, right? It's just the visuals of like masculinity, right? Or being like a lumberjack, right? Visually, is like, look at this big fucker with the flannel on. He's got to have testosterone shooting at his face. Yeah, but I think maybe that's where it came from. But I, I, I or like we just all miss our dads from the eighties when they may or may not have had a beard at yeah. some point. I mean, I just think it's issues. like so fashion like based zeitgeist based and also like just dependent on like how you feel about the strength of your chin like Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of people grow beards to you know give themselves a little bit of a chin and that's that's fine and that's great but like to to assume that it's based on like 
God, I can't, I can't help but grow this fucking beard. It's just, it's just bursting out of my face because I'm so damn dominant. It's like, right. What? Uh-huh. And it's not I, that much fun to kiss someone with a beard. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've never thought of it as a manly. I guess I've never really thought about it that way. But right, right. The, the kissing someone with a beard is. I clean shaven's kind of nicer. I think mm-hmm. it reveals sort of the perception of the beard grower. Like to your point, you're like, I don't really, and not to say that you're speaking for every person, but that like. You're like, I didn't really think about it. Whereas someone who's growing the beer is like, fuck yeah, man. I'm going to look like a fucking, like a, like a spec ops fucking Navy SEAL in Afghanistan yeah. with this oh, fucking yeah. beard. I because feel like you zero, dark, too, zero Dark 30, like, started a big part of the beard trend. Right. Well, yeah. consider now, right? Like, on the far right, a beard is almost standard battle dress for right. these people, for Proud Boys and those groipers and that whole fucking group of people, like, where you're like, of course y'all are have to do everything as outwardly masculine as possible, because you're not, because you believe in your own masculinity and dominance, I'm sure. That beard is yeah. not compensation. I mean, listen, uh, that guy was just talking, like, in the last, that guy is masculine as fuck and has no problems being insecure about his masculinity. <laughs> right. And so I, there's like there's something I think to that end, it maybe it is in the eye of the beard holder mm-hmm. what they believe themselves. Or maybe that's what I'll do to tell myself it's OK that I couldn't grow. A beard. I'll be honest. I think when uh, growing up, though, like in puberty, I was telling my other friends fucking growing wild ass facial hair. I'm like, what the fuck? Why is it just coming out in circles on my cheeks? <laughs> like, I can't. When will I get there? Is something a matter with me? And then I think that's just because I've mainlined too much American pop culture where I think we're, again, fed a steady diet of beards over our lifetimes. Yeah. All right. Let, let's let's move on to movie pass as as we love to do on this podcast, <laughs> because <laughs> they, there was a brief moment where it seemed like we would have access to movie theaters the same way we have access to Netflix, just as a subscription a service that we're able to just ha- have in our life, ha- have there whenever we needed it. And then it it went away. And now I, we, we've covered like five different times when it's like, movie pass is back! The, right. like, like how movie pass revival question mark like we should just have that on deck for like a, a headline or like a title of our show but okay so stacy spike one of the co-founders of movie pass has announced uh that he has bought the remnants of the company in hopes of restoring it to its wildly unsustainable glory of 2017 yeah baby i it <laughs> I'm still so confused about this because as we all knew on paper, we're like, how how do you can make it work for 10 bucks a month? How does Mm. that work? Because a ticket is okay, whatever. But yeah, as Stacy Spikes said, he came out and said, I can confirm that we acquired MoviePass out of bankruptcy on Wednesday. We are thrilled to have it back and we are exploring the possibility of relaunching soon. Our pursuit to reclaim the brand was encouraged by the continued interest from the movie-going community. We believe, if done properly, theatrical subscription can play an instrumental role in lifting movie-going attendance to new heights. And here's the thing. He started this in 2011, or co-founded it with this other dude in 2011, and they got bought in 2017. 
by Helios something, whatever, the company that completely bankrupted them. That's when, like, we sort of, I think, in the mainstream, we're like, wait, MoviePass? What? Because that's when they launched out the $10 a month, all-you-can-watch sort of plan. And within two days, they went from 20000 to 100,000 subscription, subscriptions. And then in less than a year, they had over 3 million subscribers. And I think that's when they were like, fuck. Wait, so he preceded that explosion? Or yeah, they were trying to, they were struggling to get it off the ground in, since 2011. They're like, I mean, we like the idea. They're big movie fans and they figured that this is something that could work. But then these two big dicks came in being like, no, 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 you got it all wrong. Like, I know the people over there will do something wildly unsustainable and it'll look cool right. for a second. Maybe we can sell the thing before they re- they're on to the fact that this is a sham. But the, the funny part was the two guys who took over the company, like Spikes was still sort of involved. And then he in 2018, he was fired because he raised concerns internally about the sustainability of the $10 price point. (laughs) Get out of here, you fucking hater. (laughs) So he watched it all fall apart. I don't know. I'm still unclear on how it's going to be sustainable in any way. Like aren't the prices going to have to go up? Won't it be like, it can't be unlimited anymore. And at the same time, I feel like places like AMC have caught on and they're like, no, this is actually, this is a good way to kind of keep a constant flow of money coming in. And sometimes they might not go see movies, but I'm just, yeah, I don't know. How, how do we bring, how do they bring it back? If they bring it back? It's, it seems like his plan is to bring it back at a higher price point, right? Like his, his whole issue like he was like the ten dollars thing is a great like kind of limited time offer. We hit our goal. All right, turn it off. Like that 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 was the goal. And they were like, "What if this was the price though?" And he was like, "Well, then we'd go out of business really fast." And <laughs> they were like, "You're fired. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here." <laughs> so it just it's just a question of how much the kind of offering is contingent on like i think i would only do it if it was like 10 ish dollars or like the price of a movie ticket because then i could like get my mind around okay all i have to do is average a movie a month which i'm totally planning on doing and i would be you know saving money but if the last right. time i went to a movie i thought it was like 20 bucks a ticket yeah 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 no it's absurd i'm just i'm I, <laughs> but uh, but for Jack, best. what you're saying is like you'd pay for one movie a month, so that's twenty bucks. So that's already doubling. Yeah, the that's price. true. That's a really good point. So that would make their business a little better. Yeah, I know. I feel like honestly, like isn't there? When are we going to see? And I guess this is a question for you, Alan, because you you have your ear to the streets, cannabis wise. When are movie theaters going to be a venue for consumption? You know, like, what do you think is getting in the way? Because, like, in L.A., you see these little places starting to pop up too, like the Lowell Cafe and stuff where you can eat and smoke and pay ridiculous rental costs for, like, water pipes and shit. But is there, like, where are we there? Because I'm always curious about that as as things progress. Well, yeah, I love the idea because movies and weed go together so well. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is smoking issues. And so it would right. probably have to be outside because I don't think you can smoke inside 
in a lot of places anyway. But I mean, look at all the people who built movie theaters in their backyard with a screen during COVID. It's not right. You you could throw it on if you have any type of outdoor space. Right. That would be fun. Like Synespia was doing that in L.A. for the like Hollywood forever screenings, like you would see sort of like weed delivery companies sort of set up shop. And then it's like, yeah, man, fucking let her rip. We're in a fucking cemetery and it's LA. Dude. Yeah. Old pal did that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, remember yeah. hearing about that. Yeah. So outdoor things, I think probably, I mean, movie theaters with alcohol. I think that the chain that was here just went out of business during COVID, whatever the like arc light. Yeah. 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 And I don't like to drink during movies because it makes me tired and yeah. and then I want to fall asleep. So weed and movies seems like a better mix. Yeah. I could also see like if it was indoors, it's just so smoky. You can't see the screen. You're like, right, Fuck, man, like this movie maybe would have been a little bit better if it wasn't a goddamn hot box. Maybe you need a subscription to a dispensary service and you just walk in and it's sort of like the fumes for five bucks a month. You just, you don't even have to bring your own weed. It's just a... (laughs) Oh yeah. Or like do edibles if you can't smoke. They're like, here, go in the edible pit for a little bit. Give yourself about 40 minutes and then the show will start. You go in and maybe it starts uh, knocking on your door and now suddenly uh, the new... Cruella films bearable. Who knows? I wouldn't call it the edible pit because that makes me think of a ball pit that's just full of edibles that kids are playing in. (laughs) Right. Edible pen. Edible pen. That's better. A pen. Yeah. With confused people wondering if the cookies they're eating are edibles or not. Yeah. Uh, Ellen, can you talk a little bit about just your your podcast and like sort of where you're you're seeing the, the industry move and kind of trends that you're surprised by or excited by as you kind of track track the growth? Sure. Well, you're making me think of our episode, our Thanksgiving episode that's coming out soon. We have a new series called Weed Words where we just talk about all the words that everybody kind of thinks they should know about weed, but maybe don't. Um, our Halloween episode was on paranoia. And so <laughs> it's like the practical tips to not feeling paranoid with weed, but also why as a culture we're kind of paranoid about cannabis. And our Thanksgiving word is the munchies because everybody, and I'm going to dig into why you don't feel super, yeah, it almost feels like <laughs> super life full. affirming. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I ate $40 worth of Taco Bell and I'm, my happiness is through the roof. I feel right. physically great. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I did learn is that cannabis increases your, like it makes food smell and taste better. That's right. what the receptors are connecting with your body. So anytime food tastes and smells better, that sounds pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the word that we are going to be talking about in Thanksgiving. And in general for our show, you know, we're trying to demystify cannabis for for women. And what that means to me is just help them understand it. You know, the show's called How to Do the Pot because when I was talking to friends about what I was doing... I would kind of be like, oh, yeah, we're going to teach you how to do the pot. And everyone would laugh. And I thought that was a pretty good place to start because you can kind of, you know, and I also think that for people who intuitively call it pot, you kind of have some stigma and some fear (laughs) and propaganda. So I'm sort of like speaking to those people a little bit and just being like, it's weed, have fun. But also you need to know how to do it because... There's so much to learn about cannabis. I mean, the employment stuff is super fascinating. The social social justice side of it is incredibly important and interesting. But also, if you just don't know to wait an hour when you've eaten an edible before trying another one, 
like that's also super critical. So we try and cover all of it. And we actually have a show, a series that comes out weekly that's called The First Time I Bought Legal Weed. And women from all across the country send us their voice memo and tell us the story of the first time that they bought weed. And it started because I was just talking to a lot of women who were curious and wanted to try it, but really just couldn't get themselves there. Mm -hmm. And so I thought by building this like tribe of friends, basically, who are telling you, and it's not that all the stories are great. I mean, my first time in San Francisco, I went to a dispensary that had bulletproof glass and did not feel good. And then I also went to one that seemed like a restaurant. And I want everyone to know that there's a range. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we're really just trying to make you feel like you have a friend in weed who you can ask the questions that you have in a in a discreet way. So you don't have to tell everyone that you're super curious, but yeah. you can learn what you need to know. And your right. theme song is the Toy Story. You got a friend, friend. in weed, right? <laughs> oh my God. I, Randy Newman is like nails on a chalkboard to me. My husband loves him. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying like people, you can kind of tell something about people if they call it pot. What about smoking dope? Is that is that a cool thing? I mean, the first vision in my head is definitely somebody <laughs> over 60. Yeah, that's what my, da- that's what <laughs> right. my dad calls it. <laughs> hey, if you want to smoke dope, throw your life away. That's on you, man. You know what's so funny? Oh, my God. I just remember this, Jack. I don't know why I didn't tell you. I feel like, and I, my mom, I don't know if my mom listens sometimes. And if you're listening, mom, whatever. She talks about <laughs> one of the times. Mom. When, like, she caught me smoking weed once, she's like, you know, I've smoked weed before, you know, back in the 70s. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Or she's like, yeah, I remember we smoked me and your aunts. And then we watched Jaws. And that oh. shit was so scary. <laughs> scary. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious, Ellen, like, when you when you talk about sort of the, like, the barriers to entry as you see it for people who are like, I don't know about this weed stuff. What are, what are like, the common things that you realize are, like, like the common obstacles that people have to sort of get over. And then they're like, oh, shit, right. I actually enjoy this. I mean, I think the first thing is that it's just been illegal for so long. And so a lot of people just are scared of what could happen to them and scared of breaking the law or know someone who got in trouble. So that feels like the the first thing that you have to come across. I think the second thing is a bad experience where you got too high and just had a really bad time and basically never wanted to touch it again. Right. Or didn't have a terrible time, but it just didn't feel great. And it was a hassle to get and kind of a pain, you know, all of those barriers. So I think those are the two things that I hear about the most. And now, though, I have to say, most people just seem really curious. And, Mm, and, And the question I get the most now is, what should I buy? Yeah. Oh, what, what's a good entry point for me? Right. Exactly. Like maybe some low, low THC just to kind of get it, see where you're at. If that's yeah, not I, I tell people, you know, there is definitely weed that feels kind of like a glass of champagne. So maybe start mm-hmm. there and add some CBD and take it slow and don't be afraid to cut the edible into fours. There's no shame. Yeah. Some of these edibles on the market are strong. So it's kind of just think about this like something that is worth being curious about because you will get some answers that then you won't have to think about again. You know, it's sort of binary. Like once you kind of know what the right amount of a THC edible is for you, you can choose different brands, you can play around, but you're not going to have to go back and be like, do I like five milligrams or 10 milligrams very often. 
Do um or if so you need you, two milligrams. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I'm man. I need like yeah. twenty. Yeah, miles. Is, what should uh, I do, Ellen? Why? Why don't? Why am I at twenty? Because it's your endocannabinoid system. We right. all have one. It's the system in our body that balances all the other systems. It and the the tolerance that you have. I mean, I don't know how much weed you have in your body at any different times. And there is. I like, am you, weed. The great words of Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> But uh, like if you, you know, if you have a headache and you are going to take something over the counter, like are you the person that definitely needs two Advil or would like a half an Advil work for you? Because I think that all of our systems metabolize things coming in at a different rate. I'm super sensitive to all medicine and always wow. have been. So yeah. I think that that's part of what I know about myself. And I bring that into when I consider what I what I want to be consuming with weed. Yeah, Miles, yeah. you don't like even feel the effects of caffeine, really. So, like, I feel no, like that. Makes I don't. Sense, I don't feel the so. effects of caffeine unless I'm drinking like undiluted, ca like cold brew concentrate. Right. I typically yeah. synthesize things a lot slower. Like, if it, if I'm, you know, taking anything, I'm like, oh, everybody else is there already. I'm like, well, TikTok, uh, what's going on? But yeah, that is true. Uh, with like stuff like that, though, I, I don't take a lot of like uh, Advil or whatever. But I think that's just more born out of growing up with an immigrant mom who said, you don't need that crap. <laughs> yeah, I was just it was the first example that came to my head. But any kind of like caffeine for me, I I can't drink it. It makes me so jittery. Oh. Even one cup of coffee, I switch to tea and, and like even caffeine and tea, I have to be super careful about because I just get that jittery feeling. Mm. Yeah, that's called the endo endocannabinoid endocannabinoid system and it was discovered oh, about yeah. almost 30 years ago in israel and it's the system that balances all the other systems in your body much like the nervous system or the cardiovascular system but no one really knows about it and it's not really taught in medical school so luckily there are some amazing cannabis doctors that are studying it and i think this is all part of my like constantly just saying please can we have more research about this because right. i think there is so so much to be discovered that will be incredible and we'll yeah. all really benefit from that's Constantly, super interesting right. hit me with one uh paranoia practical tip because i smoked weed a lot but i'd say 50 to 70 percent of the time i would have a panic attack but i just oh, really no. liked the idea of weed so like i would keep <laughs> I kept smoking it but i wanted to be friends with these kids yeah, so i had no so other choice I was just like yeah <laughs> this is great they hate me wow jack you're bending your car keys in your hand again from your <laughs> hand be fist being so tight you're like oh. <laughs> <laughs> well the best tip i have is if you get too high have a cbd tincture around and it can be a hemp-derived CBD tincture. You can buy it online. They're easy to get. And put a dropper under your tongue and hold it there for 30 to 60 seconds. And in about 15 minutes, you will be you will feel more like yourself and less high. It's oh, an awesome go. trick. And oh, tell everyone. Because I feel like it does give people like, I, it, I kind of watched your shoulders drop a little. You were like, oh, that might be better. Yeah. And, right. and that's the kind of tip it is. So, yeah, CBD tincture you could also smoke cbd if if that's what you're into you need a fast acting form though so a tincture or smoking is what's gonna basically counteract the thc and then you know for your specific experience i would say probably never smoke cannabis with over 20 percent thc just like watch the percentages because yeah. we have receptors in our brain that connect to the thc and it sounds like yours are sensitive and it's really just high THC that can bring on those feelings of yeah. paranoia. 
Yeah, I was smoking at a time where you just smoked whatever your cousin could get at that given moment. And it was it was also at a time when like some weed was still really bad and some was like the some would come through and you're like, the heck? <laughs> 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 right, right, right. Right. So yeah. You're like, did you hear my mom call my name? Like, dude, <laughs> literally we're in a moving car. Literally. That, does that just does that is it just me or does that tree look like my mom's eyes watching me right now? <laughs> like, oh. That's just me, right? That's is my yeah. That's a dumpster, also. <laughs> <laughs> that tree, uh, Alan. It's been such a pleasure having you on TDZ. Where can uh, people find you, follow you, hear you, all that good stuff? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. The podcast is called How to Do the Pot, and it's available wherever you listen. We have a website, dothepot.com, that has lots of information uh, for women. And then we're on socials at Do the Pot. There it is. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? So I am not on Twitter very much, but I could not ignore this Elon Musk tweet where he decided to ask his followers if he should sell 10% of his Tesla mm-hmm. stock. And he did. And he sold $5 billion worth of stock. Yeah. I used to work on Wall Street. I worked on a trading floor and it it just like Oh my God. I, I saw this heading come across my newswire and was like, wow, trading is different now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So it was very I, I don't I don't even know if I have an opinion. I just kind of said, Wow, this actually happened. He asked, you know, I don't know, maybe it was like five million people that came in and, and gave him an answer. And then two days later he sold five billion dollars worth of Tesla stock. Yeah. What's he uh, doing with it though? <laughs> well he's gonna have to pay some taxes so that's gonna be part of it yeah. this is like selling before the end of the year i mean i don't know what he i i, I don't follow him that often um I, really i'm just not on twitter very much but my dad has right. a tesla and loves it and yeah. he also loves to trade stocks and he's so mad at the tesla stock so it's just kind of a funny thing for me to see that elon musk is creating this company with products that people love and then he's doing things in the market and I think Tesla was the most Googled stock of the year. I mean, he's getting amazing Jesus. press and yeah. free and it's just, it's a lot. And it all started on Twitter. There it is. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. And if you like the show 90 Day Fiance, you're going to like my other podcast called 420 Day Fiance. Get it in, y'all. Uh, with Sophia Alexandra. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. Some tweets that I'm liking. First one is from at Sad Crib tweeted, I thought the G spot was where all the homies hang out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one more from, oh, wait, I got a couple more. Another one from at Griff tweeted, squinted for a solid 30 seconds at the phrase soy bisexual, trying to figure out what this latest insult meant until I went a little further and realized I was reading a tweet in Spanish. (laughs) So much is made of soys and soy boys. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to that. And the last one from Yodoye, at Yodoye underscore, tweeted, I love being black because this dude just let the whole torture skit from M-E-T-H-O-D man play in the lift without knowing my demeanor at all. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien some tweets i've been enjoying eric bergstrom tweeted tinder is the worst way to learn your cousin is in town <laughs> oh my <laughs> <laughs> lindsey theason uh, at lindsey theus tweeted 
Whenever I suspect someone doesn't like me, I'm extra nice to them. Like, good luck talking shit about how I told you I loved your jacket, you fucking bitch. <laughs> uh, and then Andrew Nadeau tweeted, uh, Roman, how will we know which one is Jesus? Judas, I'm going to kiss him. Roman, why? <laughs> Judas applying lip gloss. Well, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook mm-hmm. fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, but where now. we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Okay, this song I think people will enjoy, but I want to really just give a caveat that I like this song for a very specific activity. That's getting high and playing the Spider-Man video game where I'm just web-slinging around New York. Total freedom as Spider-Man, but again, you know I'll do it with a little bit of a drum and bass backdrop. And this track is called Free Falling by Freaks and Geeks. And there's just this synth line that when it comes in, I just start wrecking the shit out of bad guys as spider-man and i if this even remotely sounds like you if you like the amazing spider-man or the miles morales game please listen to this song when you're web slinging i'm telling you you're gonna love it so this is free fallen by freaks and geeks all right well go check that out the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast wherever fine podcasts are given away for free that is gonna do it for us this morning but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending and we'll Mm -hmm. talk to y'all then bye bye bye